Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The sheriff's office received a 911 call um, at approximately 1130 last night, the 28th of June. And uh, upon investigating, uh, one of our deputies, uh, Matt Road, discovered... um, uh, an incident that we are uh, continue to investigate in Congress with uh, the GBI office. Okay. And may I ask what the incident is that occurred? It is a death investigation, and it is uh, being looked into as a homicide. This is episode three, and this is the third murder. If you're just jumping into this story and you have questions, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to what we've already reported. Was the woman a uh, was the person a woman, uh, male, female? It was a female that was discovered deceased. Um, of course, this is an ongoing investigation, so we are currently gathering facts and trying to um, ask the public for any assistance they would have in trying to determine what occurred. GBI agents discovered much more involving the prison, including two more allegedly related murders. Crime and contraband in a local prison. It was a true whodunit at the time. can't believe I'm saying this. Sent the hitman to the wrong address. All the options are on the table. We don't know. Things like this don't happen in Glenville, Georgia. I'm Evie Wilson-Weatherby, and this is Prison Town. I'm reporting this with Jessica Salaji. And we're trying to better understand the Georgia Department of Corrections by diving deep into one prison in South Georgia, in a county that has three. After months of investigating, we're putting out one new episode each Tuesday. Early on in this reporting, I kept coming back to stories that Jessica had published in The Georgia Virtue. And I kept seeing the same footage from these related crime scenes used over and over again on different local TV stations. At Bobby Kicklighter's house, the camera looked up the driveway. You saw yellow crime tape, GBI agents at work, and the white pickup truck sticking out of the garage that had matched his neighbor's truck, one of the reasons that he was mistakenly killed. For this third murder, I also saw similar clips used over and over again. In the footage, it was obviously late at night. 
the police car headlights and strobe lights illuminated the scene. A fancy red convertible that looked out of place was parked alongside a beige mobile home. Usually, this footage was introduced by news anchors sitting at a news desk in the studio. They'd introduce the scene, and then we'd see those same clips from the middle of the night. But then I found this really peculiar news clip from the story. It wasn't introduced by a news anchor, and instead of a short, tightly edited news package, it was kind of a long video. It was the middle of the day, and these two men in uniform are standing in front of the Long County Sheriff's Office sign. One is Richard Dial, the GBI assistant special agent in charge, and the other is Lieutenant Tom Solosi of the Long County Sheriff's Office. There's a little bit of footage from that night spliced into the story, and you hear this raw, unedited interview of a journalist asking questions. And it's my understanding, it's been reported by some media outlets that the woman was shot. I am not going to confirm or speak to specifics on this. Again, this is an ongoing investigation. Like, this is being treated as a homicide. Um, so we are uh, asking for the public's assistance because for that reason. Okay. Did the person live there at that place? Oh, can, can you comment on that? Uh, we have no indication the person was a resident. Whoever was recording was asking all of the same questions that I wanted to know. And I I know you can't speak on specifics, but I'll ask anyway. Does it look like it was a robbery or anything like that, or you just can't comment at all? I can't comment on that. It'd be too soon soon to say. Is there anybody that you folks are looking for at this point? Uh, Not at this time, but we are following. Later, there was a credit, Louis Levine. And I knew that I had to find him. He's kind of this vigilante citizen that stumbled into journalism. But I'm not, I don't know, I, I kind of do this as a hobby, you know, well, a hobbyist, you know. He's in his 60s, he works a day job, but he's always listening to police scanners. And when he gets something good, he sells it to the local outlets through a company that he created called the Coastal News Service. Well, it started with actually, I remember it was one photo that I took of a horse that was running through town and the police had stopped it. And I sent it to the local newspaper, they printed it, and then I kind of got hooked on that. It started with that one photo, but now he's the guy that often covers crime. He hears it on the radio, grabs his camera, and drives out to cover it. Now, the police scanner thing, that goes as far back as my father in New York City. He used to listen to the police scanners all the time, so I guess it's in the blood. He's originally from New York. He came down to Georgia with the Army and retired from here. Now he does a lot of work for the NBC affiliate and ABC affiliate in Savannah. Louis Levine calls himself a scanner jockey, listening in on police scanners across the surrounding counties. He has a scanner in his car and in his home. So I'm always listening, always kind of, even though if I'm in conversation with someone, I have one ear on the scanner and one ear on the conversation. He's done this for so long that he can tell when it's serious. You listen to the excitement and the voices of the people on scene and the um, operators from 911. Central, stay left in the vehicle with the subject. And you kind of gauge, is it, you know, is it worth going? Is it, you know, you listen to what they're relaying back as far as what's needed or like road closures and and they'll say it over the phone over the radio they'll say you know 109d which is code for a deceased person and things like that or if you have a, a shooting's always 
something you're going to go to regardless. It doesn't matter. Shooting, stabbing, uh, homicide. Lewis had been there the day after Bobby Kicklider's murder. The footage that circulated widely of the GBI on the scene in January of 2021 was actually Lewis Levine's footage. He'd been photographing something else when he got an email from the GBI that said that there had been a homicide in Glenville. So when I got there, the coroner had just had pulled up shortly before I arrived, and they removed the body of Mr. Kicklighter. And I talked to the coroner briefly and uh, asked him if he was taking, I remember correctly, if he was taking the body to the GBI crime lab because that's always a big deal. And he said he was. And uh, if I remember correctly, there were agents, because there was evidence, that was outside the residence or those items, I don't know what it was, but, but they were marked. And uh, GBI asked us not to photograph the, the evidence on the ground. And, you know, to be compliant, we, we did because didn't want to compromise their, their case. The GBI didn't give out much information that day. So from his car at the scene of the crime, Louis Levine called his contacts and sources from previous stories. And he got a GBI agent from the Statesboro office to give him an interview over the phone. He knew that it was an elderly man that had been killed. You always want to try to get sound with someone so that you, it accompanies the story. So at least you have someone telling the story in their own words. So John Durden actually played a big role in, in, in talking to me over the phone and giving me what he was able to give me. Should the public be concerned because things like this don't happen in Glenville? We don't have any concrete leads right now. He was very concerned. I could hear the concern in his voice about it. It concerns us, too, and that's why we want the public to give us a call if, if uh, anybody has any idea. Anybody saw anybody walking in the area, riding around, suspicious car, being, somebody being dropped off, uh, or anything like that, because it looks, it looks random, and, and we just don't know. So, yeah, he was very concerned about that. So Louis Levine covered the Kicklighter murder in January of 2021. And then he just went on with his life. In March of 2021, he heard about a high-speed chase that ended in a crash in Hinesville. So he went and he covered it. Bear with me. I promise it's related. The following news clips are from Savannah TV station WTOC. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. New video tonight showing a car slamming into a Hinesville business before catching fire. And police are still looking for the driver. The photo that he has from this crash is pretty wild. The car crashed into a brick post. The front end of the vehicle is mangled. And it's almost ashy because it had ignited. Lewis wrote, Hinesville woman accosted by man who allegedly pulled a weapon while driving home. That Hinesville woman was a corrections officer at Smith State Prison. I'm not going to use her name because she's already been a victim of violence. She was driving home at night when a vehicle tapped her bumper. When she stopped, a man got out of the vehicle with some type of long gun or rifle. That's what police said. From that same news story, this is Tracy Howard, Hinesville's assistant police chief. The driver um, exited the vehicle with what appeared to be some type of uh, long gun or rifle uh, that had a cylinder drum-like magazine. The woman made a U-turn and she drove away as fast as she could. But the man followed her and he lost control of his car. WTOC news station published the surveillance footage from the car wash. 
You see a car zoom by, and then you see a dark car fly off the road and then smash into a brick kiosk. It immediately starts smoking. You see somebody get out of the car, pop the trunk, and then from a different surveillance camera from an angle on the back of the car wash shows that person in dark clothing running away. A few days later, Christopher Sumlin Jr. was arrested for this incident on charges of aggravated assault and stalking. Yes, that's the same Christopher Sumlin indicted in the murder of Bobby Kicklighter and linked to the murder of Jerry Lee Davis. He had been an inmate at Smith State Prison, the same place where this woman worked as a corrections officer. So Louis Levine had been there on the scene of the Bobby Kicklighter murder, and he'd also been there that night at the Hinesville car crash. And then in June, he was on the scene of another crime, the one at the beginning of this episode, the murder of Jessica Gerling. So a friend of mine called me that night, and he was also a scanner jockey, and he told me, hey, they have a shooting at uh, this mobile home park off of uh, Tibbet Road. And, um, you know, and I kind of live in hard because it was late at night, whether I was going to go or not. But something told me to go, and I did. But when I got there, I had, I had a hard time finding the, the road that it was on because it was kind of on a side road, off the main road, but on a side road. And they didn't, if I remember correctly, they didn't have their lights on. So, it, you know, it was kind of kind of difficult. So when I got there, I, I noticed there was a, a vehicle, I believe it was a convertible. And lo and behold, there was a woman who had been shot and killed. You kind of put two and two together, and you realize that they were visiting, or they, would, they had some business in the mobile home park. What their business was, I, I still don't know at this time. So Louis Levine was on the scene after the murder of Bobby Kicklighter, a murder that Christopher Sumlin Jr. had been charged with. They had allegedly intended to kill a corrections officer who was cracking down on contraband at Smith State Prison, where Sumlin had been an inmate. The woman that was intimidated and targeted in the car chase was also a corrections officer at Smith State Prison. So how does Jessica Gerling connect to all of this? We'll be right back after this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. TheGeorgiaVirtue.com is an online news publication based in Southeast Georgia. Our daily content focuses on local government, the justice system, and public corruption. Visit TheGeorgiaVirtue.com to subscribe to our newsletter for the latest headlines and updates. The first time I came across Jessica Gerling's name, she was mentioned in the indictment for the Bobby Kicklighter murder. The indictment came out in April of 2022, more than a year after the murders after a grand jury, meaning 16 to 23 jurors, saw the details of the case and then they formally charged Nathan Weeks, 
Christopher Sumlin Jr., Keisha Jones, and Ariel Murphy for the murder of Bobby Kicklider. The indictment is 19 pages long, and it includes many details of that case. And Jessica Gerling is mentioned under a section titled Eve St. Laurent's Squad Associates and Members. Nathan Weeks is the inmate at Smith State Prison who was incarcerated during all this time. The indictment says that he's also known as Cash, or de President. And his criminal enterprise is called the St. Laurent Squad. He actually refers to Smith State Prison as St. Laurent Prison. At the time of the indictment, the people involved in the Eve St. Laurent Squad fell into three categories. Inmates, civilians, and in some cases, Georgia Department of Corrections employees. So that's what we're really going to focus on for the second half of this episode these Georgia Department of Corrections employees that violate their oath to help inmates pursue criminal activity while serving their sentences in prison. And just remember that we were months into our investigation into Smith State Prison when the warden at the time, Brian Adams, got arrested and charged with racketeering and violation of his oath as a public officer. So Jessica Gerling, the woman that was killed in the mobile home park in Long County, and the woman that police questioned Jerry Davis's widow Marla about right after he died. Before they told me anything, they showed me two photos, one of Christopher Sumlin, one of Jessica Gerling, and they asked if I knew either one of them, and I'd never seen them in my life. And um, so they, they were just like, okay, okay. I was like, is that who did it? And they wouldn't give me an answer. Jessica Gerling had been a corrections officer at Smith State Prison. She started in February of 2020, and in June of 2020, she was fired for bringing in contraband at the direction of Nathan Weeks, who she was in an ongoing romantic relationship with. The indictment mentions methamphetamines and marijuana. It also said that she tried to get somebody else to use a drone to drop drugs into the prison so that it could be sold to other inmates. She was murdered a year after she got fired. She was 28. And in that time, the Georgia Department of Corrections was unable to adjudicate her contraband charges. Jessica Gerling's obituary paints a very different picture from who you might imagine. She was born in Iowa in 1993. She was baptized and confirmed in the Presbyterian faith. She loved horses and participated in 4-H. She even won the title of Miss Congeniality at the fair. She competed in speech competitions in high school, and she joined the Army afterward. She got married to another veteran in Hinesville, and she has a daughter. When you search for Jessica Gerling on Facebook, you'll find two pages. One feels like a time capsule. The last post is from 2014, explaining that she got a new Facebook under her married name. She's employed at the United States Army. In her photograph, she has very little makeup on. And she has a slight smile that shows her big cheeks. She looks young. In the second Facebook profile, she's no longer using her married name. It's back to Jessica Gerling. In the profile photo and cover photo, she's wearing a lot of makeup. She's platinum blonde, but her eyebrows are penciled in dark. Heavy eyeliner, dark eyeshadow. She's pouting her lips, and you can see that there is a lot of lip liner. The last thing shared was a screenshot of someone else's post that said, Sometimes you just gotta let God fix it, because if you fix it, you're going to jail. It was posted the day that she died. The Instagram I could find for Jessica Gerling had the same picture, the one with all the makeup. 
And the bio reads, quote, I am the monster you created. And it had a skull and bones emoji. So Jessica Gerling had been a corrections officer at Smith State Prison. She started in March of 2020, but three months on the job, and then she got caught bringing in contraband. In the state of Georgia, if a public officer is convicted of violating their oath, they get a felony charge, and their punishment is one to five years in prison. From what we can tell, the Georgia Department of Corrections did not formally charge Jessica Gerling. Yes, she was fired. They opened up an internal investigation. But her file from the Peace Officer Standards and Training Council reads that the investigation was closed and completed in July of 2020. She was killed a year later, in June 2021, and her death date is on her official employee file as the date of administrative dismissal. So why didn't Georgia Department of Corrections criminally charge her with violation of her oath? Sure, her misdeeds would come up if she applied for another public officer job, but I can't help but wonder if she'd be in prison right now instead of dead. And Jessica Gerling is not unique. She's not the only corrections officer who got caught bringing contraband into Smith State Prison on behalf of an inmate. Keisha Jones, one of the defendants charged with the murder of Bobby Kicklider, the one who owned the unique boutique and lived with and employed the alleged getaway driver that night, Ariel Murphy, had also been a corrections officer at Smith State Prison. But this was years before Nathan Weeks was housed there and years before Brian Adams was the warden. Keisha Jones became a corrections officer in 2011. And a little less than a year later, in 2012, she resigned pending an investigation. They had found contraband in a box that was under her control. She denied knowing anything about it, but she did admit to having intimate feelings for an inmate, so they revoked her certification. Keisha Jones was allowed to resign in the midst of an internal investigation, which makes sense. This way, the Georgia Department of Corrections wouldn't have to pay her salary while they await the results of the investigation but she wasn't criminally charged. Even though she'd been found with a box of contraband, and she admitted to feelings for an inmate. And to make matters even crazier, another female corrections officer at Smith State, a woman named Erion Moore, was caught bringing in contraband on April 20th, 2021. At this time, Nathan Weeks would have been an inmate at Smith State, and Brian Adams was the warden. So usually when I hear about contraband at prisons, it's something along the lines of weapons or drugs or cell phones or cell phone chargers, things like that. But this day, the contraband was truly wild. Jessica Salagi, co-producer of this podcast, was able to find the forfeiture documents from this day when Officer Erion Moore brought contraband into Smith State Prison. This idea of civil forfeiture allows law enforcement to seize and then keep or sell whatever the property is that is allegedly involved in a crime. And when they do this, they have to document it. This is Mark Winnie from WSB-TV in Atlanta. Georgia Bureau of Investigation Director Vic Reynolds says the case involves a convict, a corrections officer, now fired, contraband and cash, lots of cash, approximately $29,000, smuggled into Smith State Prison in Glenville to bribe guards. On Tuesday, April 20th, 2021, Erion Trenise Moore, a corrections officer, crossed the guards line coming into work at 8 o'clock in the morning at Smith State Prison. 
She entered through the front of the prison, and she had a plastic longhorn steakhouse bag with her, almost like it was her lunch. As with anybody coming into the prison, there was a routine security search of all their bags. And the person doing the search that day found that Erion Moore had $29,020 in cash. She had brought $29,000 in cash to work with her that day. I'm not talking about $100 or five. I'm talking about $29,000 they brought into the state prison system. That was GBI Director Vic Reynolds. I can't even imagine what that much money looks like, but now I know that that much money fits in a Longhorn Steakhouse bag. And if that much money is coming into the prison, Jessica Salagi and I had to imagine that it was intended for someone who was leaving the prison because the inmates would be unable to use it. DOC has worked with us. They stand side by side with us in this investigation. And together, I believe we'll find exactly where it goes, how high it goes. I don't know, but we ultimately will find that out. When the Georgia Department of Corrections intercepted Erion's money that day, they also did a search of the car that she drove to work. When they were searching her car, Erion's personal phone rang, and the ID feature read, Davon, for Davon Germain Waller, an inmate at Smith State Prison. So GDC searched Davon's cell at Smith State, and they found cell phones, tobacco, methamphetamines, pills, homemade knives, and two professionally manufactured machetes. The $29,020 in cash was forfeited. She was fired. And Arianne Moore was arrested and charged with furnishing prohibited items to inmates and violating her oath as a public officer. She was actually charged. So right now, she's awaiting her trial. And it looks like Arianne Moore and Jessica Gerling were friends. There are photos of them on a night out on the newer Facebook page for Jessica Gerling, And from what we can gather from court documents, they were both dating inmates that worked together. In the bill of indictment that formally charged Nathan Weeks, Christopher Sumlin, Keisha Jones, and Ariel Murphy with the murder of Bobby Kicklider, the prosecutor mentioned other people who were involved in, quote, overt and predicate acts of racketeering activity. The reason prosecutors do this is to show that the four defendants were involved in something bigger than just themselves that they were involved in a criminal enterprise. This becomes a RICO charge, and it impacts their sentencing. In Georgia, a RICO charge alone carries a mandatory minimum of five years in prison, and up to 20. In the indictment, the prosecutor explained that Nathan Weeks was known as the president. Jessica Gerling was referred to as the first lady. Erion Moore was dating Davon Waller, known as the vice president. So what's going on? Why are all these women working as corrections officers at Smith State Prison, a men's prison? And why are they developing feelings for inmates? I don't know that we'll ever be able to tell if these women were already affiliated with these men when they applied to be corrections officers, or if they were coerced while on the job. But I do know that the Georgia Department of Corrections is chronically understaffed. The Federal Bureau of Prisons recommends a baseline of 15 inmates to one corrections officer. A corrections officer that currently works at Smith State Prison told Jessica Salagi that it's a good shift if they have three or four people on duty, especially on the weekends. And if they have four officers on duty for their 1,300 inmates, 
that means it's one guard for every 325 inmates. Remember that that federal baseline is one guard for every 15 inmates. That's what they should be striving for. So they're massively understaffed. And this is not a unique problem to Smith State. The Southern Center for Human Rights reported that most prisons in Georgia are running at a staffing vacancy close to 70%. When a prison is understaffed, it puts everyone at risk. Fewer guards mean fewer checks and a slower response time because they have to cover the entire prison. It means more things can happen unsupervised. Understaffing can also impact programs that are offered to inmates. Later on this season, you're going to hear from Jose Morales, who used to be the warden at the most secure lockdown facility in Georgia, the Special Management Unit, and he will share how understaffing can impact security. While I'm not excusing these women for aiding criminal activity or bringing in contraband, whether it be for inmates or to pay somebody off, I just can't help but imagine how scary it might be for a woman or even a man just for a person that is outnumbered with very little support. It's hard for me to even imagine. Because of the statewide understaffing, the Georgia Department of Corrections is currently hiring correctional officers. The job posting says that applicants need a high school diploma or a GED. It mentions a few preferred job qualifications, and then it lists 20 questions. The questions begin with things like, will you wear a uniform and follow a dress code? Will you work any shift, including holidays and extra shifts? But then it gets a little bit more intense. Can you work in a situation where you are physically threatened by prisoners? Can you maintain your professional composure if bodily fluids are thrown at you? Will you be able to shoot an escaping prisoner, possibly to death? Will you risk your personal safety to rescue a fellow corrections officer or a prisoner from attack? And will you report anyone that breaks these rules? And then in all caps, the job listing reads, if you answer no to any question, you cannot be considered for a job as a correctional officer. A correctional officer must be willing to do all of the above requirements of the job. That's a lot to put on the line for this job, a job that pays between thirty-eight dollars and $46,000 a year. And for context, we're told that one contraband cell phone goes for around $2,000 a pop. So now we know that Nathan Weeks was an inmate at Smith State Prison at the time of these three murders. The murder of Bobby Kicklider, Jerry Lee Davis, and Jessica Gerling. We know that he had previously been housed with Christopher Sumlin Jr., the alleged hitman who killed Kicklider and Davis and also intimidated another corrections officer at Smith State in a car chase. The indictment said that he shot at her. That same indictment goes on to mention that Jessica Gerling, Nathan Weeks, and Christopher Sumlin Jr. were involved in racketeering that caused the death of Jerry Lee Davis. That's probably why Marla Davis was shown their photos when she was questioned by the police. We know that Erion Moore, Jessica Gerling, and Keisha Jones were fired from the Georgia Department of Corrections over contraband, and they were all dating inmates. Both Keisha Jones and Jessica Gerling were in a relationship with the same inmate, Nathan Weeks. And the indictment explained that Jessica Gerling was shot. And both Nathan Weeks and Keisha Jones were named as co-conspirators in her murder. This episode had a lot of details, 
but now you mostly understand the details of the case. So we're going to spend the next episode zooming out so that you can understand the context. We're going to talk about how Tattnall County wound up with three prisons, and Jessica Salaji is going to walk you through what that really means for the citizens who live there. Next week on Prison Town. It became an issue. Different factions, people wanted it and people who were against it. And we just rotated out helicopter and ambulance, and it was like, not including the ones that went by a van. Oh, it was horrible. It was just unbelievable. And that's the one that I, I do close my eyes sometimes and I still see. Those inmates count toward our population. Do you realize that? How are the prisons costing Tattnall County money? I would love to know in my 20 years how many times I've gone to a prison. I mean, it would just floor me. Prison Town is produced by Jessica Salaji and me, Evie Wilson-Weatherby, supported by the Center for Collaborative Journalism at Mercer University and the Georgia Virtue. Original theme song composed by Francois Byers. Story consulting from Debbie Blankenship and assistant editing by J.C. Calvert. A special thank you to Jonathan Weatherby for the graphics and to Louis Levine. In this episode, you heard sound bites from breaking newscasts from WTOC, WJCL, and WSB-TV. Visit prisontownpodcast.com for more information. We'll have links to all of the original reporting and an illustration that shows how everyone is involved. We know that this is a complicated story, so the visual might help. That's at prisontownpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at prisontownusa. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.